See, really? You're going to put Apple above your dad, Jeff? That is just sad. You have met my dad. Yes, he's a wonderful gentleman. Yes. I've enjoyed talking to him many times. And I know he listens to this podcast, so go ahead and lay it on thick there with all the syrup <laughs> you want. Go ahead and tell him. Hey, uh, hey, Jeff's dad, make sure you email into the show and give me some real good stuff to hit <laughs> Jeff with later. <laughs> go ahead. I want to I hear it. When you email, don't tell me that you did it. I want to be like blindsided by this. It's going to be hilarious. Okay, GT, after a previous episode with lots of listener feedback, we ended up talking for almost 40 minutes about Apple stuff. And it wasn't enough time, actually, so... I want to revisit some of those things that we left on the table. I don't think there's uh, enough time in 2021 to talk about all the things about Apple that we could say. I would tend to agree with you. And I don't want to be talking all of 2021 about Apple, but it I seems... I mean, 11 and three quarter months isn't enough time. <laughs> let's, just, let's just start with one episode here, right? And I don't want to go any further than that unless the topics are interesting and, and our listeners demand that we do so, but... Uh, we really didn't cover the walled gardens aspect at all. And there's just, there's a lot to unpack in there. And, you know, there's, I didn't get around to bashing a lot of my Apple things. I had like this whole list of uh, Apple hatred things to prove my bona fides that I'm not a fanboy, right? Well, that's, well that's let's way. get into that, because that is very interesting to me. You want to do that first? Uh, well, I mean, just as long as we definitely cover it. Okay, well then let's, let's do that first and we'll come back to walled gardens, because I, I don't know how quickly this is going to go, but I'll just read down my list. Unload, man. It is, Unload, brother. It has driven me nuts for gears that they stopped the, the version of Bash that they were shipping for four or five uh, versions of the operating system was some wonky 3.3, very old, like seven or eight years old now. And the reason they did this is because that's, that's the point at which Bash went to GPLv3. And they considered that toxic. They're not going to put that in their system. So they were shipping a very old version of Bash that was missing lots of common features. Like, so I'm writing scripts on, you know, my work laptop, mm -hmm. and I have to think about, oh, I can't use that feature, that's Bash 4. I can't explicitly declare that array in Bash, because Bash 3 doesn't do that, that's a Bash 4 thing. And there's a lot of other of these functionalities that are really neat and straightforward, and you go to every single modern and even not-so-modern Linux, and they all have Bash 4, except Apple. And they were so resistant to... Moving into the GPLv3, they actually said, I think at Bixer they went to Z-Shell. I'm surprised they didn't go to, like, uh, TCSH or just CSH. Well, long ago it was. I think okay. in the early, early days of OS X it was TCSH. Because I remember getting confused by that at first. Oh, this is somewhat different. And then, like, inside of the third version, 10.3, I think they had, they had definitely brought in Bash. And you could still, you could install Bash even before they had it, and you could change your shell to use it. So it, was no, it wasn't like you had no recourse. You just had to know what to do. And that, that's a theme of Apple. There's a lot of ways to get around their, you know, WTF-isms, but you have to know what to do. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, there's a healthy community of people that are obsessed with finding all these things and cataloging them and making it easy for other people to follow in their footsteps. But the, this, this Bash version thing really tripped me up for, it's tripped me up for years. It's really, really irritating to have to write like version-specific code and be very aware of what version of Bash I'm programming for, especially when 4's been out for, I don't know how long, six years? Seven? Nah, a long no time? idea. It's, it's been out for a long time. This is absurd. It's stupid. So that really, I really despise that. And for a lot of people, they don't really, I think, I think a lot of Apple users wouldn't care because they don't use the terminal at all. 
They might open it once or twice a year to do some command that someone told them to do to fix this thing that they have to go to the terminal for, and then they're like, ooh, terminal, no. Okay, so it's I just checked. And scary. Bash 4 came out in 2009. Oh gosh, 11 years. That's, that's absurd. That's just stupid. That's shame on you, Apple. But uh, they have quote-unquote fixed it by migrating to Seashell, which has a lot of um, upsides to it. I yeah, guess the chief there, upside there, for Apple is the licensing. Yeah, there, there's some downsides too. I use Zshell and are. I like it, but man, there's some things that are just annoying about it. Like the fact that all my old bash scripts, oh, well, the way that you do quotes and everything is a little different. So yeah, thank you. I yeah. need to go rewrite all those. So what I end up actually yeah. doing is just switching to bash to run them. And it's like, well, then why am I even bothering? Yep, yep, exactly. That's like, uh, you know, we discussed in this and a lot of Linux users have this experience. I still have to do, I have to keep Windows around to do this one thing. And every time I want to do this one thing, I got to reboot into Windows. So at that point, why don't I just stay in Windows? You know, so same thing. Shame on you, Apple. 11 years. That's, that's just absurd. And they did a lot of other things that were kind of uh, console specific. They, they, for a long time, they compiled their own copy of SSH that was like many versions out of date. They were missing patches, not so much security patches, but uh, high performance networking was a thing that got patched in like SSH 7.2. And that was like five or six years ago. It was a major step forward. It basically all it's doing is tuning some windows from small defaults to larger defaults that made sense in our more modern high, you know, high speed networking environment. Mm -hmm. Apple, for whatever reason, left them out. And so when you do an SCP or an rsync over SSH and you did it on an Apple machine, they're small defaults that were compiled in the old copy of SSH meant that things would crawl and you wouldn't be able to take advantage. I, I can remember I had to bring down my own copy of SSH through Homebrew just to be able to, to copy this file off of my laptop, my MacBook, onto a network drive. There was like one other system on the switch. It was just me, that other system, which was quiet, and the network file server. I should have been able to dominate all the bandwidth, and I couldn't because their copy of SSH did not have these patches in there. It was just so, just so stupid. Mm -hmm. There are workarounds. I, I think you could break it up into pieces and then send each piece in parallel and then reassemble it on the far side, kind of like, that's overly complicated. There's, there's, it's already solved, you know? And then they added things in that broke. So uh, one of the things, neat features about SSH they added in 7, uh, the persistent connection. So you open a connection to a system. If you want to set it up, you can have it so it like opens a file handle effectively. Mm -hmm. And then if you need to open a second session to that connect that machine or that server, it will just reuse the first session and create another channel. Because you can create, as, I think, 256 channels in a single SSH connection if you want. Mm -hmm. So it just creates another channel. You're not creating a whole new connection. You're just reusing what's already there. It's, it's, it's great. It's very valuable and powerful. But there are security concerns around that. Because if you connect to a machine and then a process, a malicious process in your system uh, running as you, doesn't need to escalate the root or anything, running as you can use that tunnel and get to the machine on the far side also. So there are some security concerns and a the, the safe default would be to ask every, every time a new SSH process wants to use this persistent connection, ask me with a pop-up or something, do you want to allow this? Mm -hmm. And that's easy in... You, know, you have multiple choices in, in the Linux environment. In, in a Linux desktop environment, there's you know, a couple different choosers or askers that you can ask it to use. Mm -hmm. You know, GNOME has its, and its version, and KDE had it, and you know, there's an independent one, and then there's, you know, you could use a console variety, or, or there's a whole bunch of different ways. 
none of them worked in the Mac. So I could never right. use auto ask or whatever the feature was. So either I had to trust that every process that was going to reusing my persistent connection was going to work, or I had to turn that off. And it really is a, it's a major performance speed up to use it, especially when you're doing something like Ansible and you may have multiple overlapping, like pipelining is, mm -hmm. is a big speed up thing in Ansible. So it's really important to be using these to make Ansible go faster. They screwed all that up. They just really, I never understood why, and it took them years to sort it out. Mm -hmm. And I remember for like four years, it was just in my list of things to do on a new Mac system, grab a copy of SSH from Homebrew because Apple's version was screwed up. Mm -hmm. they, you know, I think they were compiling because they were, they were adding keychain patches, which for a lot of people is, is a nice feature, but I never use. I don't, I'm not really keen to store my passwords in the keychain like that. Yeah. I mean, that's what the SSH agent is for. So uh, I actually, oh, this gets into another one. System in integrity protection kind of cuts both ways. So it's a, uh, protects all the, the base level system stuff, um, makes it so it's not writable at all, mm -hmm. and even as root. So you have to like reboot into safe mode and turn off system integrity protection to enable the writing of these files. So it can be done. It's just very, not challenging. It just takes a lot of time to do. And, and generally, no one's going to do it. Mm -hmm. One of the base system processes that uh, Apple claimed as part of system integrity protection was the SSH agent. What I like to do in my systems is I like to set up my SSH agents to have a default timeout of, say, four or eight hours or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want my keys to persist forever in the SSH agent. That seems like a very bad idea to me. And so the easy thing to do is change the agent to start with a time limit. You can do that. You can't do that on Apple unless you turn off system integrity protection, edit the launch daemon configuration for SSH agent, fix it so it's now got your dash T four hours or whatever, and then reboot into safe mode, turn it back on again, and then come back. It's, it's a painful process and to the point where I just stopped using it. Mm -hmm. I haven't bothered to do that on my current work laptop that I've had for two years because I just never find the time to do it. And I've just gotten in the habit of when I'm adding my keys, set a time limit there. So it just, it, all these things, little things over and over and over again. This is like, this is a dumb choice. This is, this is a dumb, why, Apple, this is dumb. You should have known better. Yeah. They've got some really talented engineers over there. I know because, you know, we've seen the hardware and some of the hardware is really badass. Pardon my French. There's just, that's there, not there's French, a lot by of, the way. Oh, well, fine. Uh, what is it? What language is that? Badass is English. Oh, fine. Okay, fine. Well, uh, you know, I gave you an opening. You didn't take it. Whatever. There's lots of uh, high-quality engineers. You totally threw me off. There's lots <laughs> of high-quality engineering over there, and it seems like these, how are these boneheaded things being left alone? Why are they being left alone? I mean, you know, I know people are reporting them, and, you know, version after version after version of the operating system comes out, and it's still got the same screwed-up copy of SSH in it. That's just... That's just dumb. You know, anyway, that's, uh, I, I don't, they got more on the list and we're already up to like 10 minutes. And so I, I let's, let's hop back over to another topic. Maybe we can, if we have more time, we can come back to these. Let's okay. hop back over to walled gardens. And you had mentioned it as one of your top three things that you hate about Apple. And I'd like for you to expand a little bit more on what you mean by walled gardens. Okay. Well, first of all, it wasn't top three. It was top five. Um, however, oh, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, make sure Sorry. you make sure you get that right, Jeff. There are well, five. Actually, there's six things I dislike about Apple. Not oh, just you got three. it wrong too. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. You should listen better to yourself. Uh yeah. So anyway, 
Um, yeah, walled garden. So basically, Apple deciding that, uh, well, you may have bought this system. Yeah, but you can't do anything on it we don't want you to do. We're going to tell you what you're allowed to do. Uh, you want to run certain software on there? Mm, we don't think so. So, sorry about your luck. Now, I do know that they try to take the claim of, oh, this makes you more secure. Which, of course, is total BS because that's the same thing Microsoft tries when they say, oh, well, our code's proprietary and closed source, and since nobody can see it, it's secure. But as we know, that's that's a load of bubkis. So, <laughs> Is that French? Uh, no, that is also not French. Uh, <laughs> so the walled garden thing really pisses me off. Not because of just the general limitation, but it really kind of leans into that concept of you don't own your hardware. You gave a lot of money for this, but mm. we're the ones, meaning Apple, that can control what you do with it. And right, I so am highly resistant to that. I want I want to make a delineation here. You, I know this happens on both the you know computer side and the device side. You know I, iPhones, iPads. Mm -hmm. It's more severe on the device side than it is on the computer side, but it is present yes. in both. Yes, it but, does. Uh, it does definitely happen more on the mobile side. Um, mm -hmm. I think they are leaning into this a little more, especially I, since they're joining the two together, and because so. they're now moving to their own silicon. They mm -hmm. are now going to be able to control far more. Complete now again, they're going to, you know, dress this up like it's a wonderful thing, mm -hmm. and that you should be happy that your choice is limited. That doesn't fly with me, because <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old fogey now. I but can't guess why. When, when I buy a piece of hardware or a piece of equipment, I have an expectation that I own it. And I can do what I want with it. And I know that maybe, maybe now in the 21st century, that is an outdated, outmoded concept. But I will refuse to, to give up what I consider to be a basic human right to be mm -hmm. able to use things I own the way I want to. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of that uh, Hercules gif where he's like, I own you! You know? I think of that every time. Yeah. Because that Whenever I run into one of those, just like, why is this wall here? I immediately think of that image. Like, I, I own this device. If I want to break it, I should be able to break it. If I want to change this, let me change it. Mm -hmm. So you know, there, there are some legitimate security discussions to be had. Would you consider the system integrity protection that I was, you know, complaining about earlier? Would that be considered a walled garden or not, in the sense that you mean? Yeah. It's kind of hard to say because that is a way that they can enforce things for quote-unquote mm -hmm. security reasons that aren't security reasons. So mm -hmm. it's really hard to give a binary yes or no because okay. there's a lot of gray there and it's, it's hard to really say with any certainty what their exact intent in that is. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think they were very clear up front. They said one thing and they meant another. They, they, they just wanted greater control over the system. Mm -hmm. And they, they always pitch it, the boogeyman of security. You know, you, you're protected better from hackers. Yeah, probably true, but not in the sense you mean. And certainly not as strong as you mean. And it's not even like reason number three why they did it. Right. So it just, mm, that doesn't sit well with me at all. So I'm with you on the walled gardens. I think there's, couple ways to take that. So I don't have an iPhone, you know, 
I stay, the only real toe that I have dipped in the Apple ecosystem is the MacBook Pro that I use. You know, I got my old one and then I got my current work one. Mm -hmm. So I don't have an iPhone. I don't have any of the other iDevices. I don't, I watch whatever. I, I don't have any of those. I think I had an iPod back in, you know, middle 2000s uh, when they got popular enough that they were super cheap. And I'm like, oh, finally, I can afford one of these things, the little matchbox things. There was like $99. Anyway, I, what I know is from the Android side of things. And there are a lot of intentionally misleading apps that will try and get you to install them from non-authorized sources. So that is technically a walled garden to say, we're only going to let you install programs from these qualified, this, this list of qualified programs that we have gone through and verified that they're actually not hacking your stuff. So that's a walled garden that's a positive one, in my opinion. Well, As if, long as you have the ability to if, turn it off. It, well, yeah. A, if you have the ability to turn it off. But B, if they're actually checking to make sure that every yeah. app that's in there is legit. And I can guarantee yeah. they're not. Then, they're, they're running them through, especially when, when an application first gets submitted, it's running through some, and I'm sure the scrutiny has climbed over the years, uh, they're running through some series of tests and, and code exploration to try and verify you're not accessing, it's not linked against a known Trojan library or something like that, you know? But after the program is submitted the first time, and, and I imagine they're still spot checking, but generally it's left alone. Even, even if you're publishing updates, I think it's not really gone back to... Certainly, every so often they would scan it, because that would be... If they're not scanning these things semi-regularly, then they're just, it's just completely... Yeah, but know, also, mouth service, any, any designer worth their salt should be able to obfuscate questionable code inside mm -hmm. the system, so that when you scan it, it doesn't it's not flagged because of the heuristics and whatever. There's a lot of really bad developers out there, JT. I don't know if you know this, but there's a yeah, lot of really, that, no, really, you're right. really bad developers you're, you're out right. there. But when we're talking about security issues, I'm, or the, especially specifically, the ones who have malintent, I'm not worried mm -hmm. about the bad ones. I'm worried about the really <laughs> smart, clever ones. Because they're true. the ones that can pull things off that when you hear, you're like, hold up. You did what? How? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love hearing about these. Those like, are the, the ones, ones that, like, that yeah. I worry about. The ones that like go into the secure enclave on the iPhone somehow and retrieve a value that they're never supposed to have been able to get to, but through like three or four chained X points and, and multiple pivots, they can do it. Yeah. And like, that's incredible how you did that. You know? Yeah. When, when you, the, the guys that come up with like ring negative two exploits, like, yeah. Okay. Okay. We have a problem here. <laughs> well, you know, so there's a whole lot of attack surface out there, you know, that they, people have been exploring a lot in yeah. the last couple of years. Likewise, there's a lot of attack surface on the, uh, not Motorola. Who's the baseband chip producers Qualcomm. that everybody, yeah, Qualcomm. There's a lot of, I'm sure now it's much explored than it was a couple of years ago, but Qualcomm has tried to do everything in their power to hide everything they can about their processors or their, because you know, they're, they're software defined radios in there. They're, they're little computers. Mm -hmm. Those chips are, which means they can be screwed up. You can mm -hmm. get in there and put in bad data and you can do all sorts of things, especially since it's so closely tied to the operating system of the phone. And this is true of both iPhone and Android. There's a lot of attack vectors from the Qualcomm chip. More modern designs have tried to isolate against some of those vectors, but there's at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do to stop bad data from getting across when you think it's good. Yeah, you know? and the whole purpose so of that chip is to bring data in like mm -hmm. yeah exactly so it seems like or put it out you know it's it's that's the end of the day there's this very well-defined interface there's all these little hidden places to go into and i think you could probably call that a walled garden and i would be okay with that like i, I don't 
I personally don't want to go plumbing the depths of those things. I'm fine with Apple saying you never need to know about that with a little hand wave. So I don't consider that a walled garden. Okay. I do consider that definitely a wall to keep you out, but I don't consider that a walled garden because for me, the whole walled garden metaphor is it's a place that's nice that you're captive that you're not allowed to leave. Okay. It's not necessarily to keep things from getting in. It's to keep you from getting out. Mm-hmm. You know, the gilded cage, it's still a cage. You're still stuck in it. It may look mm-hmm. nice. Sure, it's a pretty cage, though. You might have nice yeah. food inside, but at the end of the day, your ass is still, still in a cage. cage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then it seems like um, I know on, on the computer side, there are, this is common now, programs are being signed with certificates, you know. If it's signed with a certificate that is valid according to Apple or according to Microsoft, then that program is allowed to run without question. But I know what this happens on the Mac. If you run a program that's not, you have to pay, I think, like $100 for a license from some Brown and Root or something to even get the possibility to get a certificate from Apple. I think mm-hmm. the certificate itself is $400 or something. It's not, it's not free, I think. So you're looking at just to be able to publish software on Mac that doesn't ask you the question of, are you sure you want to run this? You're paying multiple hundreds of dollars. So if you're and, a free and open source product, you can't, you're not going to do that. And let's, let's also remember that like, specifically for mobile stuff, to even be able to write software for it, you have to pay to get a developer license so that oh, you right, can yeah. write software to even be able to learn, figure out how to get the application to run. Not like hmm. you designed and wrote the application. Now I would like to pay to get it authorized and licensed by Mac so that it can be developed, put in the you store. You can't even no, no, no. start, is what you're you saying. You can't compile unless you give Apple money. Because hmm. I ran into this um, for IX when I started doing some contract work for them in 2016 for doing a mobile UI to interface with FreeNAS. And... We were writing it in Qt so that we could do both desktop apps and mobile apps. And I was working on the Android side and the iPhone side, getting, you know, the build system spun up, getting everything set up so we could do it. And of course, on the Android, I mean, it was a pain in the ass because, you know, it's a pain in the ass because it's Android. It's Android, yeah. But I could do it. I didn't have a problem. Then I switch over Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, let me see if I could build it for the iPhone. Oh, wait, I need to have a developer account linked Mm -hmm. with Xcode so that I can actually build it. So that I can oh, and some things require you. So, so like, you, let's on. say you have your personal private iCloud account. You also get to replace that with your developer account. Yeah, and to get some things working. And you have to let them know what device you're going to be building and testing on. Oh, so I had an iPhone that I had to basically register as this is the iPhone I'm going to be doing testing on. Ah. I I would not be able to give that um, that bundle for the software to someone else to try on their iPhone unless their iPhone got registered to the developer account for the software. Like, Which I'm sure they charge you money for. The more, you know, there's probably like an Amazon, you can stream yourself oh yeah. up to 10 the devices. The more devices you wanted to add, yeah. and the more, the more devices you, you wanted to, to build on, you would have to pay. So like, if we wanted two developers Apple. to have two separate machines working on it, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. That's disappointing, Apple. That's really, I didn't know that it was that now, bad. Again, that was 2016. Things may have changed since then. But I doubt that it, was but a possible. very, very sour pill when I'm like, this, mm-hmm. this is crap. Mm-hmm. I was, I was looking into doing some, you know, cross, uh, open WX or whatever it is to, to do some Android and iPhone apps, you know, just to dabble with it a couple of years ago. I had some ideas for apps that turns out people had already done. So there was no point in doing them. 
But I, I didn't even get far enough to, to figure out how the cost was when I realized I had to have a business license. I had to do this. I had to do that. I had all this stuff set up. I'm like, no, I'm just dabbling with this. I can't, I can't casually do mm -hmm. this. Of course, I'm, I'm, you know, just to get started to see if, it, if this is even a workable idea or something I want to do, I'm going to start on the thing that's free. That's Android. I've got three or four old mm -hmm. phones lying around that I haven't recycled. I can pick any one of them without having to tell anybody anything. I can fire up ADB, fire or whatever. I could stick stuff on it. I could copy stuff off of it. I could do whatever I want. I don't need to ask Google's and permission to do And you didn't even need to use ADB, because if you actually built the bundle, you could copy it onto an SD card or just email it to yourself, download it on the phone, and install oh, yeah, it directly. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, thankfully, we were using Qt, so obviously Qt builds on everything on the planet. So right. once we got it up and running on Android, the actual modifying of the code and doing if statements where we needed to mm -hmm. in the build files to get to work on iPhone, that part was actually the easy part. It was the Apple crap mm -hmm. that was the complicated part. <laughs> And there's no reason for that. Okay, I'm, I'm sure there is a reason. I don't know what that reason is. Um, dollar, would, dollar bills, y'all. Okay. If there is a non-monetary reason for this, Apple, please tell us. Because right now, this is a really bad look. And, and I'm sure they they've addressed care. this already before. But this, oh yeah, they don't care. But and they're definitely not going re to respond to our podcast. <laughs> well, hold on, guys. Stop <laughs> the presses. These two dudes brought up an issue we have to address. We're we're a trillion dollar evaluated company, but these two guys, we we, we have to answer them. Yeah, that's sorry. Please stop throwing that's, around the market cap like it's well, a it meaningful is. number. It's a trillion dollars, man. No, it's it's, yeah, it it's not. It's a trillion it's dollars a, of magic okay. money. Uh, can you please do you stop? have a Listeners, do you, you have can't a see, I'm I'm throwing things at the at the the camera at him because I, I'm not in the same location as them, but I'm throwing things very poorly. Jeff, at do you the have a, mil a trillion and dollars of magic money? I don't think so. I actually could manufacture a trillion dollars of magic money very do. quickly if my printer were not broken, but it would not be like fiat currency or anything. It wouldn't be valid. It would, it would be my own fiat currency. Listen to it. So I could make up a trillion dollar. Are you using Bob now? A trillion, whatever. No, <laughs> they fixed that, didn't they? I mean, they actually, I think they started using dollars for uh, their currency, for their economy. I mean, I guess. Because at that point, there's not really anything else you can do but fix it. You can't really make it worse at that point. They reset it, I think, twice, actually, in that period. They, they, they said, okay, so we're going to say that uh, 10 billion whatever Zimbabwe dollars is now worth $10. Yeah, but it doesn't work. And <laughs> No, it didn't work because it didn't change any of the policies that was causing the rampant inflation. And I think inside of a year and a half, they got back up to $10 billion again. It was, it was so bad. I can't imagine what that would be like. Can you imagine the savings that you've, you've put together for years all of a sudden becoming worthless because of that, that inflation? I don't know. We may be uh, about to experience that here in the United States. I don't know. There's been some doomsayers suggesting that that's coming. So those of you that have saved aggressively, just prepare to see it all go poof, according to these doomsayer people. Anyway, this neither here nor there. Trillion dollars is just a number that means Actually, very it, little. it means a lot more than just a little. Stocks are supposed to be a percentage share in the profits, not the value of the stock itself. We have forgotten what the original point of a share is. You know, and maybe people don't even understand that, but it's supposed to be you are taking a share of the profits. That's what it's supposed to be. Now, the, the potential of that share can drift up or down, and that's where the value of the share price itself, the stock price, becomes more meaningful. And I think, honestly, the Last 20, a, 30 a share years? isn't just a share isn't just related to profit. Okay, educate me then. What else is it related to? Well, it's related to part ownership of the company. Okay, you're right. 
So there's a lot more than just what it might be worth based on profit. It's what the entire company actually has as assets. So if you're 10%, let's say, market holder in shares of Apple, you own 10% wow. of the value of everything Apple has, technically. Mm -hmm. um, now, good mm -hmm. luck trying to cash that out one day if people aren't buying stock. But the point is that share mm -hmm. isn't just, oh, you also get a percentage of the profits. It's actual ownership in everything that the company owns. So uh, that's why I kind of push back on the fact that it doesn't mean anything, because it does. Because it's not just the valuation of how much a Apple could make, but what they're actually worth based on what they do. Well, I think the PE ratio for Apple is probably quite bad. It's just oh, so probably. inflated. It's just, it's just through the roof. Yeah. It's like in that case, it's, it's probably similar to Tesla stock. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely overvalued. I mean, Absolutely. Elon Musk has even said that. And then the investors get pissed off because people sell a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, he speaks truth. He's not allowed to not speak truth anymore. He got slapped for that. Anyway, neither here nor there. We're several tangents off, but uh, fine. I Go ahead and keep trotting out that trillion dollar number if you want. I'm just going to mentally assign zero to it. It doesn't matter much to me. Just because it's a trillion dollars does not mean that Apple is worth listening to more so than the company is only worth, you know, two million dollars, frankly. I mean, well, obviously they are because they have changed computing and they continue to drive so that is other worthy, computer companies. That is a worthy they, uh, they reason to listen to them. But if they didn't have that and they were still a trillion dollar company, according to your the way you bandaged about the number. Them no, but they're a, only valued at a trillion because of the fact and the impact they have on the market. Okay. And the fact that they can control and lead the market. But we both, That's why they're valued at that. We both just agree that they're horribly overpriced. And so that trillion yeah. dollar valuation does not represent the delta of performance that you get for Apple over other vendors, right? And you're absolutely right, Jeff, because that is exactly my argument about Apple products being overvalued and you not getting what it's actually worth. But it doesn't matter because people will still pay it, mm. even if... It doesn't have the value that you're paying. Well, I don't know what to tell those people, except uh, as I alluded to in a previous episode, please keep doing it so I can buy your used stuff. <laughs> when you buy the impulsive stuff and you're like, well, well, now I have this older gear. What do I do? You sell it to me and I buy it at a discount. Well, whoa, whoa. The real fanboys collect that stuff oh, and keep gosh. it. Yeah, actually, I, I was friends in college with a guy who had collected something like 30 pizza boxes of the old, old Mac stuff. We used to mm -hmm. get into that sale day, uh, first Saturday that I alluded to or in an early episode. And he would find the pizza boxes and buy them for super cheap. He actually, he joked that he was heating his room at his mm -hmm. uh, parents' house. He had built uh, custom-built shelves to support, I think, 30 pizza boxes, and he was trying to fill them all. I can't imagine yep. the power bill, because he kept them running all the time. I have no idea why, but that was, that was, yeah. what he, that was his pursuit. He loved it. So, yeah, yeah. who knows? Th those, again, those people annoy me, because I'm trying to find a 603 box, because I want to be able to install BOS on it, the older versions that I have, mm -hmm. that would run on the Motorola 603. And, of course, anybody that has it, well, it's old. And it's a Macintosh. Mm -hmm. Therefore, Therefore, it's very valuable. It's worth $17 billion. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. It's, and it's not worth the $500 you want for it either. Every time I say that, I, then I, ha I hear this little voice in my head that says, no, it's worth what someone's willing to pay for it. And so if someone's yeah. willing to pay and for that And when it hasn't price, sold for three years at that price... Nobody's willing to pay for it. Okay, then I think that's that's pretty strong justification to say it's not worth that. But all it takes is one person to buy at that price. To that doesn't to mean it. it's worth that. It just means one person's an idiot. Oh, now we're talking about shares again here. That's you know an analogy for shares. All it takes is one sucker to buy shares at you know a higher price, and then all of a sudden that's the new value of the share. 
Well, not necessarily. Okay. Because sometimes people will buy it more expensive, expecting it to go up, and it doesn't. Right. Like, how many people bought Bitcoin at $19,000? Oops. It then dropped. Now, it's now up to like 28000 Last I, I read, it was, was 34. I heard recently. It's, oh, it's, it's okay. sailing through the roof. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So they're finally getting their payoff. But, uh, and I keep seeing articles about the legitimizing of the Bitcoins and you know, fear of missing out on all these big organizations like, well, oh, we don't have any Bitcoin. Now we need to go get some. So like people are buying a billion dollars in Bitcoin. So they have like, it's like yeah, having well, gold bullion I'm, on hand. I now have a billion right, dollars in but, Bitcoin. The sad thing is a billion dollars in Bitcoin nowadays doesn't get you as much as what a billion dollars did eight years ago. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, that that's several tangents out. Did we did we finish covering Walled Gardens? Do we need to go over anything? I don't here? I don't know if we did. But there's, at this point, a, we've had so many tangents that I don't know if I can trace it back. I can't either. So, so I think we should go on to another one of your one of your things that we didn't. Yeah, cover. I think I think we'll have to leave that one up to the listeners to go. Hey, what about this on the walled garden? Right. And then we can address that in a future episode. Mm-hmm. So one of the other things that I dislike is the non-repairability. Oh yes, gosh, that drives me nuts. And for Apple, it, there's it's like a special breed of non-repairability <laughs> because it's not just we're gonna make this so you can't repair it. No, we're going to come after you mm-hmm. if you do try to repair mm-hmm. it. You know, Lewis Rossman has dealt with that when Apple has tried to come after him for fixing their product. That's absurd. Like, hold on I a second. I own this thing. I get to do well, what I want with it. But that's just the thing, Jeff. You don't own it. Well, that's why I don't. You think I you own it. I haven't purchased an iPhone. So I'll, I've never owned an iPhone. And anyone who has purchased an iPhone, they've never owned an iPhone either. They've just purchased what they thought they purchased one. They purchased mm-hmm. a license to use the hardware. But I'm pretty sure that applies to the laptops as well. You have a license to use it. Mm. You may own the hardware, but the software, you don't own. You have a license for. A license that, by design of licenses in terms of service, which Terms of Service is another episode that's coming mm. down the pipeline. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a good one. Is usually something they can revoke whenever they want. Mm. Well... And there's not really much you can do about it. You're right. There's not much I can do about it, except the hardware. I can then go install Linux on it because it's a pretty good base for Linux, too. I mean, it's a sunk cost. For now. Okay. You're right. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the new silicon. Yeah, none of us do. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm pretty sure they're not going to make it easy. Absolutely not. But we're there. There are many talented people that are using mm-hmm. Macs. Oh, today. there's definitely going to be people, and there's gonna be people that are going to be dedicated to making it happen. Mm-hmm. But Apple is going to be just as dedicated as making it not happen. Gonna, so that's going to be a cat and mouse game. They're going to be total butts just, about it. Uh, there's no just there's like no it's way. been for yeah, just like it's been for jailbreaking iPhones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just, just, I just, oh man. There's so many things I could say about that, and I just, I really don't like it. I hate it. I am still furious at Apple for effectively pushing the mobile phone market to non-replaceable batteries. Mm. Yeah, that infuriates me, and I know why they did it. They want you to buy a new phone. Mm-hmm. And if you can buy and install a new battery in an old phone, then you have no reason to get well, a new you phone. You don't have the motivation. But when your phone, a couple years down the line, the battery is crap, you're going to be definitely motivated to buy a new phone mm-hmm. when you don't have an option. Yep. Yep. Especially when you need to get to a thing and your battery's so bad that all of a sudden your phone just stops or it only functions when it's plugged in or something, you know? And that happens and they, they know they got you over a barrel. I think um, there were so many complaints about that that they did over time add um, battery repair or improvement. You still have to ship it to them, but I think it's like $15 that will replace the battery. I know the battery costs more than that is unit price. 
So that's mm-hmm. that's like a conciliatory gesture to those people that are willing to go nine layers deep in the support panel to find the one number that you've got to call to be able to get this feature. You know, right? I'm sure they have but, not you know, made it easy, but, but they're still going to throttle. That the way, they could say so, to Congress when they're you know brought before Congress, brought up short, like, well, there is an option to repair this. You just have to send it to us. Anyway, yeah. but that's the non-repairability thing. That does bother me. I cannot reconcile that with my tinkerer's open source nature. I just, I can't reconcile mm-hmm. the two. I'm not going to try. And I'm sure listeners will pound me over that. That's fine. It's fair. It's valid. I'll listen to every single one of your complaints and points about that and try to address them as, as I see. But uh, I guess I've gotten so used to the hardware and I, I have been somewhat blessed that I have not had a lot of failures, Apple failures on my hardware. I don't have a lot of Apple hardware. So that's part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that buy every device that comes out, just law of average says that some of them are going to be broken. So, you know, the people that buy all the Apple stuff, some of them are going to have to go to the repair shop. And I've, I've had some repair stuff. The butterfly keys were just particularly bad. But um, by and large, I haven't had major failures with my Apple stuff that I haven't caused. Like one time I dropped a power mm-hmm. book on its corner and it didn't do well after that. It's you know, very bad. It was in my backpack, and it, I think it somehow got slung around my shoulder and ended up creaming into the ground of the concrete at, you know, 90 miles an hour. And aluminum doesn't do very well when it's meeting with the concrete Mm-mm. at that pace. No, no. it doesn't. But I, I caused that. And uh, so I ended up having to eat the cost. I asked him how much it'd be to repair, and the guy at the Genius Bar just kind of laughed. Like, uh, repair? No. You mean replace. So, yeah. Speaking of... PowerBooks. Um, I actually have a very old uh, PowerBook uh, 165C. How old is that? I am, I am looking for a power cable for that thing. <laughs> You're never mine in the <laughs> mine, is, mine is probably <laughs> dead. But I, the, the system ran last time I remember using it. On battery? But yeah, it's from... No, yeah. How long ago it was It actually that? powered up. <laughs> the battery still had some juice? That was like four years ago, I think. Wow. Okay. But then I plugged it in last time and it won't start. So I, I don't know if my brick is now bad or what the issue was. So that's another thing. Apple proprietaryism. Like, why can't they just use off-the-shelf power supplies? Now, a counter Well, back argument. in the 90s, th- this was back in the 90s. Everybody had proprietary plugs yeah, and power yeah, supplies yeah. back then. We're, we're, but they continue to... You could say the Dell's had their proprietary standard and they've, they made it into a like a, a industry standard by them being Dell and being huge. You know, mm-hmm. so you could easily make that case. Apple stubbornly has stuck to their guns doing their own connectors. And I had serious, that's one of the few major problems I did have. I, I've gone through power supplies regularly. I don't know if I'm just hard on them or so, something. I honestly don't mind if a company does a proprietary plug. Hmm. If they're consistent and they stick with it. You mean like, like what Lenovo. Apple's done over and over again? Trying to create their own yeah, standard? Yeah, like, oh, Lightning. It's, 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 that, it's that time. It's been two years. Let's change the plugs. Like Lenovo. You go back to the 90s, they all had a simple barrel plug, mm-hmm. and that was the same barrel plug that everything used. Mm-hmm. And then in the 2000s, they had another one, and even up into the into the 2010s, they had, it was a larger barrel plug. Right, it was more current. Right. And then eventually they went to the rectangular barrel plug. I don't like Again, those. I didn't mind it because it was good on so many units for so many years. Mm. That it didn't bother me because it's not I'm buying a power burk or you know for this system and in the next system I buy I'm not going to be able to use it. When did they go to I the square? I think now they use I think uh, that would have been I think the like 
the 40 generation. Okay. So I think the uh, X240 had it. I think the T420 had it. Ah, so that would been, so that would have been a Lenovo thing. Because IBM, yeah. theirs were the two digits, like T40, T60. I had a T61. It was one of the last IBM made. Well, the, um, like the X230, mm-hmm. X220, they all had the larger barrel plug. Okay. But then after the 40, I think the 40s were the rectangle, because I know the 50s were. Okay. Because uh, I have one. I know the 60s were. I know the 70s were, because I have one. Mm-hmm. I think the... 80s might be. I think they've gone to the USB-C now. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I'm or maybe it's both. I, I I forget. Both. Hmm. Interesting. They might have. They might have it on there for legacy. I love the idea that all the manufacturers are using the same plug. And I know that USB-C licensing is not cheap, uh, especially if you're if you're trying to support all the features that you can do with it. Like it's you know fully compatible with Thunderbolt three, which means. Mm-hmm. If you want the full speed of Thunderbolt 3, now you're basically exposing PCI Express ports, and now you're conflating it with power, and there's lots of terrible things that can come from that. I do like the the single plug standard. Yeah. I don't like but, how it's I mean, been fragmenting be... on the power distribution, but uh, it's nice to right. have one cable. But let's also keep in mind, even if, you know, this, getting the license for the spec is expensive, I don't think that's an issue for Apple. No, it's not, but there's, there's also per unit cost. Like, it's, to build a device that has the USB Type-C connector in it, either plug or socket. You pay, I don't know, a couple dollars or something to the USB consortium for every single unit right. you make. but as you mentioned before, you, Apple doesn't have a large market share. So they're not going to be paying an extravagant amount mm. compared to what other places are paying when you look at the per-unit cost. Okay, I guess that's true. And the, their devices, they have, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of iPhones, they're all running around with lightning connectors, which they control, so they're not paying anything for those. I don't know. Listeners, educate me. Have they moved to USB-C on iPhones yet, or are they still using lightning? I think they're still using lightning. They may ship uh, USB-C to lightning cables in their product now, with the expectation that you can plug it into your computer and charge from it, or plug it into the, the, the single unified charger now that everything can use. And that actually works out well. But there's still, like, there's four USB Type-C ports on a MacBook Pro. There's two on a MacBook. There's one on an Air. There used to be one. There might be two now. Each one of those ports, I'm sure that costs them something. But then they're, you're paying $2,000 or $1,500 for the unit. So yeah, $12 it's, in licensing parts is not, it's, it's a rounding error, right? Yeah, it's definitely being offset. Where you see it is more like you go and buy the $20 battery, you know, the external charger, you know, power bank. And so, like, you go get it from Monoprice, and they got cheap ones. In order to cut down the cost, they only want to pay USB-C licensing once. So only one side of the plug is USB-C. The other is traditional USB Type-A. And that way they can cut down the cost while still meeting your need that I need a USB Type-C plug. That kind of thing. So that's where you see it more. Um, Apple has no control over that. No, no manufacturer has. That's, that's the USB consortium. They've decided that. But it certainly is nice to have everybody agreeing oh, I guess we'll pay this toll and put these ports in because it's so nice to just have one cable. One, just one. One single cable to do everything. And I know that that's, it's not really that simple. There's lots of nuance there. But that's the thing I do... We've hated on Apple a lot in this episode. One of the things that I, I like about Apple is sometimes they, they pick favorites early and they pick good ones. You know, Moving to all USB devices back in the late 1990s, early 2000s was really... It was challenging, but it was also very leading edge. No one else is doing that. There, you know, a lot of other well, other manufacturers were were they'd support for USB C D ROM, but the 
the floppy would be something proprietary or, or, or this or that. But Apple is going like all USB for everything and FireWire. Well, they were they were still, yeah, I was going to say, they were still shipping FireWire for a yeah, while. They would have USB ports for the, the generic stuff. And then for your high speed stuff, you had FireWire 400 and then 800. And then I think they finally gave up after 800. Like they weren't, people were not um, buying enough hardware to justify it or something. They really stuck to it for years longer than I thought they should. The market was already moved on. Especially when USB 3 came out and it was high speed and like high, high connectivity and FireWire had lost its advantage at that point. So anyway, that's a tangent. We were supposed to be hating on Apple. We're not supposed to be, you know, admiring them for anything. Well, you're you're the uh, you're the you know Apple fanboy, so you've got to defend. No, I'm pretty you've sure you've got to defend Apple's honor thoroughly. That I am not a fanboy in this episode. But go ahead and keep saying that if that what's make you feel better. If that's what helps you sleep at night, go ahead. That's fine. I can take it. Anyway, what other things have we not covered? I realize we're running long in this episode. We may need a third, but so later. Yeah the the last one that comes up is Apple's tendency to claim other people's work as their own oh yeah oh um they they seem to have this as a legacy that dates back to even jobs oh no yeah 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 the very earliest that oh that's that's pretty clever Mm -hmm. we're going to take that and then say look at this thing we designed they did that to their own employees too jobs was yeah lifting ideas from was without crediting him for ever you know gosh it's just all the way through the history of apple and they're still doing it. I mean, maybe not to the same degree. I don't know. Um, it's indefensible. I'm trying to think of, of a good reason for it, but it's indefensible. Someone does work. Yeah, I don't think there. I don't think there is a good reason. If you know, if you found something that's beneficial, even if you take it and make it better, mm-hmm. there's should be no reason why you can't give the initial person kudos yeah. for what they did that you built off mm-hmm. of. That's one thing open source is fantastic at. You know? That's kind of like how science has worked for the last several hundred years. Agree. Yeah. We don't have a problem with this. No, we shouldn't. But yet, Apple is just like, oh no, no, we have to be the only ones to come up with good ideas. And that's that cult of even when they steal it, they're still going to say, "Yeah, this is a totally our idea." Jobs had a passing familiarity with the truth often, and uh, I'm not dis- besmirching the, the truth. Man. Sometimes got in the way for him. Very often did. You know, people will say, well, I never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Well, Jobs never let the truth get in the way of a good idea or a good sale. Um, not that I ever met the man. I can't really, you know, speak about that just, you know, from what I've read. He just, he would defend indefensible positions literally until he died, you know? He's just like, no, that's not mm-hmm. what happened. That's not what happened. I hope that uh, Apple execs, they got tired of that and learned, we're not going to do that. But I don't know. I, I haven't kept track of that. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? There's, there's... Yeah, and I like dovetailing on, you know, the claiming other work as your own is the, oh, we invented something new and novel. No, you made a rectangle with rounded corners. <laughs> that's, that's that's not new that's and novel. That's the reality distortion field, which is the thing that, that you didn't have on your list, that, but is on mine. Yeah. The RDF. I have had several friends that they'll use it. They'll cite it as the reason they went to get something. You can talk about, you know, some of the friends you had. Apple released a new product and I went to buy it. You know, mm-hmm. I've had people actively try and tell me the reason they bought this thing that they did not need was that the reality distortion field was too powerful. I'm like, you know, that's a joke, right? That's that's a joke. It's not actual a legit thing. But so they've drunk the Kool Aid, man. When Jobs doesn't, he doesn't mind not telling the truth, and he's happy to pitch. You know, if you get him in, fanboys him, and they 
completely end the ecosystem all the way. That's where they're getting the news from. That's what they're getting their everything from. It's easy to tell them whatever you want. So kind of all layers together. There's a lot more we could unpack there, but we're pushing the boundaries of, of uh, length now as it is. So we probably should save that for a future episode. But we should leave some meat on the bone for our listeners to come in. And I'm sure they've all either have used Apple or been rubbing shoulders with someone who's using Apple and just have some really, really good complaints to make. And I would love to hear what they have to say following up. This started off as listener feedback. I guess I'm encouraging listeners to dig deep and tell us what you hate about Apple. And yes, I'm yeah. happy to hear about it and hate on them right alongside with you. So don't you ever accuse me of being a fanboy. Nope. I'm going to accuse you of being a fanboy. Well, don't, because it's not legitimate. Unless you don't mind not being truthful. Well, I mean, I think I am because, mm, uh, nope. you know, you have a very strong defense of Apple. And here's the other thing. When anyone criticizes, you take it real personal mm. because you have an Apple product that you use. Well, that's because now, I don't know if that's just you have PTSD from being mocked so much for, for being an Apple zealot. I, I don't I know. I come by it honestly. Yeah, my dad would joke that he was going to disown me for getting an Apple, and I'm like, okay, fine. I'm already an adult. Go ahead. Cut me out of your will. I don't care. I'm using what I want. So See? Really? You're going to put Apple above your dad, Jeff? That is just sad. You have met my dad. Yes, he's a wonderful gentleman. Yes. I've enjoyed talking to him many times. And I know he listens to this podcast, so go ahead and lay it on thick there with all the <laughs> syrup you want. Go ahead and tell him. Hey, uh, hey, Jeff's dad, make sure you email into the show and give me some real good stuff to hit Jeff with later. <laughs> go ahead. I want to I hear it. When you email, don't tell me that you did it. I want to be like blindsided by this. This is going to be hilarious. So anyway. So let's uh, tie this one off and wait to hear what our listeners have to say. And uh, really looking forward to further discussion with our listeners. I'm, I'm really enjoying the dialogue we've got going here. And uh, let's keep it going. Let's, let's get it more listeners, more, more discussion. You know, the Matrix channel is active. I'm in there now. I'm, I'm certain it's active because I've joined. Not, not for any other reason, but it was dead as a doornail before I joined. That's got to be it. Since I've joined now, it's completely active. And uh, let's, let's have some discussion. JT, any closing thoughts? Um, no, not really. Just interested in what other people have to say and uh, other people's thoughts on what we've said. Yeah. And as always, our, our contact info is going to be in the show notes. Ways to contact us and, and the Matrix channel's in there and the Telegram channel's in there and email always works. Any way you want to get a hold of us is fine. If you happen to know us personally and have a phone number, that would work. But uh, maybe go through some of the more official channels would be a little bit better. Let us know what you think. And... Uh, Without further ado, we'll talk to you next time.